0: Welcome in the inaugural edition of the IndyCar Show here on BurnoutSports.com. Episode number one as we get ready for the 2022 NTT IndyCar season. Tony Donahue alongside of my co-host Luke Edwards. Luke, we're going to have some fun this year, are we not?
1: Oh my goodness. I've been looking forward to this season for a while. I think uh, 2021, love taste in everybody's mouths we got a good mix of rookies. we got a good mix of veterans. We've got some sponsors coming in ready to do it.
0: And We've got a lot to talk about here on the initial episode of the IndyCar show, uh, from breaking down these teams to Roman Grosjean, Jimmy Johnson coming full-time. But in this first little get-together, I want to talk about uh, what got you into racing, what you do as your quote-unquote 9-to-5 job, and uh, just where your passion for IndyCar and racing in general has come from.
1: Sure. So, uh, currently I'm employed at the IMS museum full time, uh, more than full time. Um, so what I started as was essentially a junior curator. So I was training underneath Jason van sickle, who is, uh, the vice president of uh, car curation essentially right now. Um, and the whole collection, uh, that that's quite a job. It's, it's quite a task. And, um, fortunately, I got the opportunity to take over the social media, and then I got the official job of handling all of the museum's digital content and exhibit on social online. Um, So I've gotten to go through a lot of archives of footage. I've gotten to go through the photo vaults, amazing history. Um, So I'm, I'm taking care of that right now. And obviously, I had some experience with 1070, the fan
0: for 10 years, uh, been a fan of the sport uh, my entire life, like a lot of us listening. In, and I know you have, Luke. Um, and, and and really, I was telling uh, our buddy Jared this other day when we were up at the museum, uh, one of my first tastes of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was in 93 going to the museum. Um, and I got the picture in that old school car with the with the thumbs up. But Um, I got to go around the pace car, so that kind of uh, really cemented my love for the Indianapolis 500 and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But let's break straight into the season coming up. Uh, You kind of mentioned it in in the offset, but really it is one hell of a competitive series, as we know. It's only going to get better with some guys coming full-time, some of the rookies that are in the series. But I think the storyline throughout most of the year is going to be the youth – Versus the veteran experience we saw youth last year with Alex Pillow winning the championship. Arenas VK getting his first career win. Colton Herda was up towards the front. Uh, Pato Award, obviously, he's a young guy that got his first career wins as well as in a championship fight. Then you got the veterans. Uh, Elio Castro Nevis winning the Indianapolis 500. Scott Dixon is always going to be Scott Dixon, as we know. Uh, we're going to get into this. Simon Pagino breathing some new life into his career Uh, Out of these young guns that we've talked about, we know Alex Polo is the champion, but who's the one guy this year that you're looking forward to watching week in and week out that's going to be in the hunt to be a champion?
1: Oh, I can't help it, Pato Award. I mean, after Texas last year, um, just his bravery. You've got to love that pursuit of the speed and the veterans. I would say the competition between the veterans and and the rookies slash younger class because a few of them are two, Mm -hmm. three years deep now is almost volatile um you have these older guys the older generation that have been doing it for 20 some years on a pro level um dixon for instance is a cart veteran you know the the high horsepower violent cars and and then you have these young guns coming in that um i I think honestly look to them for inspiration some of them have aspirations outside of indycar um, and it's led them here to their indycar stardom um, one of the big ones I think is is Roman Grosjean. Um, you know, there I heard a lot of people within the paddock saying, oh, he should have stayed with Coin for another year. He had some high finishes with them. Um, we've we've seen Andretti's struggles and, and Rossi is not shy to comment on those throughout the season. What are we gonna see out of him in the DHL number 28?
0: Yeah, and I think the excitement level that was the test out at the Speedway back in October between Jimmy Johnson and Roman Grosjean, despite the fact that the weather kind of put a damper into that. Um, you know, you, you talk about Jimmy Johnson, a guy that I think is going to make significant strides on the roads and street courses, and I don't think I'm in the wrong to say that this guy's going to hop on the ovals, especially in Indianapolis and in Texas, where he does have experience and be in, in a competitive car, as we know, but be contending for top tens, top fives, and maybe even podiums. Do I think Jimmy Johnson's going to win a race this year? I don't. It's, it's so tough to win a race, especially, as you just mentioned, the competition level and where it is. Um, but these guys and the following that they bring and the social media presence that they have, and 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 they're fun guys. I know you got to spend some time with Grosjean at the museum. These are fun guys that are, are, are really loving, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, their second career in auto racing.
1: The fact that we get to see, in this era of racing, that we get to see uh, Roman Grosjean go up against Jimmy Johnson, potentially in the Indy 500, assuming that they both qualify, and they're both with highly respected, quick teams, it is just a pinch-yourself moment. I think we're kind of taking that for granted. You know, I was just talking with uh, one of my good friends, um, and he was commenting on the the typical nostalgia kicking in with sports fans saying, oh, it was so great back then. But I mean, mm-hmm. we always get the look at Nigel Mansell, you know, 1993 Mantle Mania coming in and all that. We've got Grosjean here. And, and at the Indy GP, we had a competition between two first time winners, Grosjean and Renus VK. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And now you have a seven time NASCAR champion coming in, four time Brickyard winner. Um <laughs> I, I don't see how you beat that. You're probably going to have those guys racing wheel-to-wheel wheel at over 230 miles an hour in the Indy 500.
0: And, and usually, uh, the Indianapolis 500, let's say, over the last 10 to 12 years, going into the race, even going into the month, you could so you could say maybe 12 to 14 drivers had a legit chance to win. And then after qualifying, you could really break that down to maybe the first, you know, maybe 1 to 10 had a realistic chance, but you can win this race from anywhere. As we know, it's been a veterans race, so to speak. I mean, outside of Alexander Rossi winning in 2016, it's been guys with experience winning the Indianapolis 500, but this year, I don't think 17, 18, and depending on where we are, 20 drivers having a legit chance going into the month of May of winning the Indianapolis 500. I think that's the first time we've been able to say that in many years.
1: Well, just look at last year, you had below who, went on to be the series champion racing against at the then time three-time winner now four-time winner elio castroneves wheel to wheel uh but i totally agree that with with understanding that indy is a veterans track it's one of those tracks where some people just get it some people uh adapt to it later on but i agree i think it's it's a little more opened up than it used to be You used to see about 10 drivers really up there in the top 10 you'd have a couple guys have a bad pit stop or some sort of mechanical issue would take them out but man in the 2010s you really kind of knew you could almost bet on who was going to be in the top five at the end of the race you're going to have Weldon you're going to have Schechter you're going to have Dario Mm -hmm. and then you know early teens you're going to have Will Power now I mean the end of the last race I don't know I'm not a betting man, not yet anyway, but I don't think I ever would have predicted Polo and Elio going head to head. Having said that, there was a little bit of um, of a mix-up with the pit stops and the cautions at the beginning of the race that sat Dixon, Kanan, and Rossi all the way to the back of the field. I'd say those are three people you can almost guarantee on being in competition for the Fast 9 and the race win.
0: You, know, you mentioned Scott Dixon and just his incredible career. And I think, you know, the craziest stat about his career is that he's only won one Indianapolis 500. And obviously he had the best car in 2020 when nobody was there on the pole last year. So he's not going away anytime soon. Let's talk about the offseason signings. We've mentioned Jimmy Johnson coming full time if you want to use that. Uh, Grosjean going to the 28 car. Uh, but, but 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 who is the guy in a new ride that you are looking forward to? seeing the most this season
1: i've got to say passionate i think simon pagino has an immense amount of talent he showcased it immediately in the high downforce cars when you go back to um 2014 with schmidt peterson motorsports in that 77 car and then moving quickly into a championship winning car and and season with penske um when the pressure's on and when you have kind of the, the naysayers getting loud, it seems to be when Simon comes to life. Um, we saw that in 2019 by dominating the month of May, but uh, who, who do you think Tony? Cause uh, we, we do have an interesting lineup. We've got a couple new kids showing up and then uh, even knocking on the door in Indy lights for the next couple of year, years, we've got some new people that we can talk about later too, but.
0: Yeah, I have big expectation for Simon Pagino. and you can check out the article on BurnoutSports.com where I or I, I give my bold predictions uh, for the season. And I think Simon Pagano is going to win the Indianapolis five hundred this year. Now, maybe we get to May, and for whatever reason, that team takes a step back. I mean, Harvey, I think qualified somewhere between fifteenth and twentieth last year. Didn't have the greatest of races, and it's something against Jack Harvey. But Pagano had the race of the race last year, so to speak. I mean. Elliot won, but Pagano's run up to the top three I thought was the best. You know, every year it seems like we, you have he the was winner, coming, then you have the, yeah, you had the winner, and then you have the driver that that kind of ran the best five hundred miles, and that was certainly Pagano last year. Um, I do have high expectations for Jack Harvey. I think he's going to win his first career race, moving over to Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. I'm a firm believer that sometimes uh, just having a a change of scenery, a change of pace can really refresh a driver, and I think that's what's going to happen both with Simon Pagano and with Jack Harvey. And a guy that I think is going to fly under the radar a little bit but is going to have speed and is probably on his last quote-unquote contract of his career is Sakuma Sato. Look, Grosjean w- was top two and had a pole at the Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last year. Sato can still get it done. And that car, historically at the Speedway, a Dale Coyne car, whether it was with Rick Ware, um, or, you know, with Vassar Sullivan, those, those coin cars, let's just we'll put it under that category, have always been fast at Indy. Obviously, Bourdais was on a pull run, and then James Davison took over that car, ended up being towards the front, down the stretch. Uh, there's been some really fast cars uh, in that stable throughout the month of May. So I think Sato having the, the, the white and purple look this year, I think he's going to be a guy that people, I don't want to say forget about, but you're going to get the same like, Oh, that's right, Sato did land a ride. Oh, Sato's qualified eighth or ninth. Oh, Sato's contending for top fives. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. So so certainly uh, Takuma Sato, as I think, is a guy that is a little bit under the radar because all these moves happen, right? Jimmy Johnson, full-time. Grosjean moves over to the 28. Jack Harvey, the excitement level that High V is bringing to the sport of IndyCar has had some momentum behind it. Uh, Simon Pagino going to be full-time. But but the loss and all that was, oh, by the way, Takuma Sato is going to be running for Dale Coyne and Rick Ware. So uh, certainly looking forward to what Sato can do as well. But but I'm very high, as, as you are, I know, on Simon Pagino um, making a splash early. And then being – I mean, think about – I think there's only two teams that can say they will walk into the month of May with drivers that finish in the top 10 the previous season – in that race, and it's Shank with the win, and then Simon Pagano who was third, and then Drian Reinbold racing, which we'll get to a, a little bit more in the month of May, because they're a, a May only, but they have Ferrucci and Sage Karam, who both finished uh, top 10 last season. Luke, let's move on to the schedule. St. Pete moved up only a few weeks away. The end of February, Iowa gets a doubleheader uh, on Saturday uh, evening. Kind of, so to speak. I don't think it'll be under the lights. of then Sunday afternoon, Detroit down to one race. Uh, nothing really, as I just mentioned, under the lights. St. Louis has an early start. So we may see the checkered flag under the lights. But really, it's going to be a dusk type of race. Does that disappoint you as a fan, not seeing these awesome cars under the lights that we've grown used to at places like Texas, Iowa, and Gateway?
1: I've got to say, uh, the, the one that comes to mind is Texas. Texas was always an event, you know, outside of the Indy 500. I think most race fans that pay any attention to Indy car, champ car, whatever they watched back in the day and still watch today. That's something you circle on your calendar. Um, the countless close finishes, you know, you have back in the hornish Al junior days uh, all the way up to the Graham Rahal finish with Kanaan and Hinchcliffe, you know, the sparks, bouncing off the undertrays of the cars or i'm gonna miss that i'm gonna miss that yeah. but you know what with how with how they treated the track surface in texas to mm. try to improve the nascar racing unfortunately and this is across the board i don't i don't know if anyone would disagree with this unfortunately the result of that was a bad IndyCar race. And I saw a quote that was like, in order to get a good NASCAR race at Texas, which I wouldn't say is completely true. They had to ruin an IndyCar race. Um, that's, that's what I'm more interested in. I don't know if that had anything to do with the decision at all, but I will miss that gateway. I'll tell you what, I love it no matter what, if it's under the lights, if it's at night, um, I, I do miss that though. I miss I miss Nashville. I still miss that under the lights. Something about indie cars on a mile and a half or a two mile track under the lights is just special. Um, it highlights the and, speed. And about, it's theatrical.
0: You think about Gateway in Texas. Um, Gateway during the pandemic season when they had the double header. Uh, wasn't that great of a race? Uh, the one during the day, right? The leaders got out in front, and that was about it. Uh, Newgarden kind of spanked the field. I, I just I, – I don't know what to do with Texas, as we know it's going to be a one-groove race, and it, it just kind of sucks. And it just seems like there there are times where IndyCar can't get out of its own way. And, and if you remember back – and I want to say it was 2013. might have been 2014. They put that Texas race, as you mentioned, was so exciting from 2000 to 2012, 2013, great finishes – then all of a sudden they put it on ABC, right? Prime time. You are in way more households than what you're used to. And and Elio kind of walked the field, and 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 it was kind of a, a quote unquote boring race to the level that we had seen in the past. So I just hope that they can get it fixed. I mean, we saw Felix Rosenquist kind of make it exciting two years ago, as you mentioned. Pato Award had one hell of a run last year. Scott McLaughlin racing up into the top three last year as well. So I like the schedule. I I am always going to be an advocate for more ovals, Kentucky, Michigan, Milwaukee, wherever it is. Maybe a little bit old school on that, but I love Nashville. Uh, I know you and I went there last last year, and I know it was, at times, it was kind of a crapshoot of, of what was going on and red flags, but it was entertaining, um, which NASCAR is more of the WWE type of racing where you get that entertainment, but it was Kind of chaotic as you just didn't know what to expect, and you had the bridge and a lot of fun. So, I do like the schedule. Um, I had Mark James on the IndyCar podcast here on burnoutsports.com a few days ago, and, and he kind of mentioned the only thing with this schedule is there are a few gaps in June. There's a little bit of a gap in July that you wish that, you know, there's nothing really else going on sporting wise besides NASCAR and baseball, which, you know, you get to July and baseball and people start falling asleep in the fourth inning. That's a different story. Um, But but I think it's a good base right now where IndyCar is to say, okay, we've got some gaps that we can maybe start thinking about calling Richmond again, or do we go back to Kentucky, or is there a call that we can do something in July at Watkins Glen? So that's all stuff that we can get into as well. But we certainly want to break down uh, every team, and what our expectations are. I know we've already talked a little bit about the Meyer shanks of the world. Um, Luke, let's start with the championship team from last year and Chip Ganassi racing Jimmy Johnson full-time, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Alex Palou, and then Tony Kanon for just the Indianapolis 500. Uh, I- I'll start here. I was very impressed with what Marcus Erickson did last year, winning two races, Detroit, which was, as we know, kind of gift-wrapped by willpower to him but then winning at Nashville despite um, looking straight up into the Nashville sky on lap seven. Um, This is a team that I have, again, as we should, high expectations for. My only concern is, okay, how many teams is is a little – or how many cars is almost too much at Indy, and does that start kind of being counterproductive as being productive? So your overall thoughts on what you expect – from the reigning champions of the NTT IndyCar Series, Chip Ganassi Racing?
1: Well, from an entertainment standpoint, um, I know that some fans were like, oh, every time there's a commercial break, there's a Jimmy Johnson commercial. Why are you complaining? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you complaining about, yeah, bring it on. I mean, again, that's, that's a thing where it's like, you're gonna look back in fifteen years and be like, Man, remember when uh when Jimmy Johnson ran the five hundred? Just like right now, people are like, Man, remember when Tony Stewart ran the Indy five hundred and had uh, you know, mm-hmm. pull speed and um I'm really looking to Canon to make a big run in the five hundred. Um yeah. he's back with Kanasi for the second go around. It's a team that he's been competing with for years. He has immense respect for them. I mean, for goodness sake, he was getting beat out even amidst the hard luck by Ganassi for several years in the previous chassis. He, he had a kind of hard luck run with them the first go around in the early teens. But something about this organization right now is just strong. And I think Jimmy Johnson is a part of that. It's a challenge, you know, to bring in one, you're getting extra leadership from Jimmy. Mm -hmm. You are bringing in somebody that knows how to win. He figured it out in multiple classes before leading up to his um, foray into NASCAR and obviously mastering of of cup racing. But you're also bringing in this this discovery environment in which you have this NASCAR champion who last year spent his entire year focusing on road and street courses. Kudos. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's elevating the entire team and challenging the entire team It's making them stronger. We saw Kanan charging to the front at the beginning of last year's Indy 500. Um, Polo, obviously not afraid to stick it out there. Uh, His qualifying run when they pulled his speed and he was going for the fast nine run. I mean, he saved the car. As Townsend Bell said, he probably wouldn't need the golf course to get that second save, but he's not afraid to stick the car out there. And that accident when he crashed is what inspired Jimmy Johnson to run the 500. Look for big things out of that team. Do we even need to talk about Scott Dixon? He's always there. He's the, in my mind, he's the modern era MJ of IndyCar.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I'm big on Alex Palou as mentioned, um, you know, got to meet him when he was a rookie, actually met him at the museum and a great conversation and a guy that, you know, Go This time last year, it was, okay, this guy's got talent, but that 10 car has kind of been where careers, for lack of a better turn, have gone to die. I mean, that 10 car really hasn't been great since Dario left it uh, back in 2013. So there was, you know, you're kind of like, all right, you know, Ed Jones didn't do very well. Felix was okay in that car, and it, it could have went either way. And then, obviously, he wins the championship and just the talent that he has, I don't expect him to, uh, take any steps back. I think he's a contender to win the 500 and a contender to win week in and week out. Let's go over to Team Penske, down to three cars. As we know, Simon Pagenaud in the 22. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we'll see a Menards livery in the series this year, which is uh, which which kind of disappoints me. But you got Power, you got New Garden, you got Scott McLaughlin, New Garden championship contender. Last year, uh, Power gets one win doing what he does at the at the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Can Scott McLaughlin take this next step? I mean, this is a car that if you think about it, the three-car, even on the backside of Elio Castro Neves' career in that car, really wasn't great. Um, is he a guy that is going to be here in the next two or three years? Can he make those strides, or is McLaughlin going to ride away in the sunset without the results that we maybe thought he would get in the, in that three-car?
1: That's a tough question, obviously. If you're racing for Penske, the expectations are high. There's no doubt about that. We have seen championship caliber drivers go in there. And the one thing I will say is Roger gives everyone a fair shot. Sometimes he gives people two shots. McLaughlin, I think is gonna have to pump up some road course results in some areas that he is expected to perform in. Um mm-hmm. what was surprising and promising about him last year were his overall results. I mean, did anybody predict that yes. from the beginning of the season? You did.
0: <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. Did you it, I it, was or very or surprised. Or were you surprised. No, I was very surprised. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Texas was kind of a oh my god, who's this? You know, he's yeah. he's there. And that was a tough Texas race. That had veterans and previous winners puzzled. Um, Where I want to pay the most attention in Penske is you've got two-time champion Newgarden, but where is he at Indy? And you know what? He's not far off. It reminds me a lot of Will Powers. Venture through the Indianapolis 500. He's right there. He's right there at the end. He was right there in 18, 19, you know, he's chipping away at this. I'm looking for – I feel like Penske expects him to win an Indy 500 in his career with that team.
0: You know, I agree with that, and I wrote about this. The Team Penske preview will come on on BurnoutSports.com later in the week. You you go back to Indy, and you you think 18 and 19 dominant, right? Will Power sweeps the month, and Pagano comes back, sweeps the month. 2020 – You know, Newgarden has done what he's done in the Indy the last couple of years. He's been anywhere from, like, 4th to 7th, but he really hasn't contended for the win. He led some laps in 2019, but kind of faded late. Will Power last year uh, did not qualify well to 500, as we know it. And I just thought throughout the month of May, sitting out there last month, it wasn't, and maybe because Roger wasn't on the timing stand, who knows. But Penske just wasn't what they should have been and Pagano had to charge all the way through the field to even finish third and he got that third place on the backstretch of the last lap so um, I wrote about this they got to be better everywhere I think and be back to Penske perfect but I think it starts with being better at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, and as we know the way the points that are, are set up and, and, and double points at the 500 you have to have a top five run in Indy to be a championship contender um, I do believe and and Palo got points last year for a full-time entry finishing second. Elio wasn't full-time as we know. Let's move over to Andretti Autosport. I mean, this is a team that's got Alexander Rossi, who was very frustrated last year. Colton Herta won some races, but will also seem to have some up and downs. Roman Grosjean comes over. Now you've got rookie Devlin DeFrancesco taking over a car that Hinch put on the podium once last year and really wasn't in contention for even top tens at most races. Um, what do we have for Andretti this year? Are they going to make that move forward and have consistent weekends because they were very inconsistent back in 2021?
1: Well, right off the bat, I am looking forward to the battles between Delvin and Kyle Kirkwood. I think that's going to be some serious action right there because, uh, those two guys have been racing against each other for this seat in IndyCar, they both come in at the same time. Um, I, I think Kirkwood's got something to prove, and we'll get to that later. Um, Delvin mm-hmm. Francesco I, I think your target, Delvin, is Kirkwood. You need to beat Kirkwood every race. Um, Grosjean and Rossi. <laughs> Let's. You almost feel like. Do you you almost feel like?
0: Do you almost feel like Rossi, almost has one foot out the door, knowing that this is like his contract season, and there's been rumors that Shank would pull out a third car, or if Felix struggles at McLaren, that, that we'll get into maybe Rossi hops into that. Do you almost feel like he has a foot out the door at the team that took a chance on him, and delivered him, and he delivered for them, the Indianapolis 500. Um, You almost feel like he has a foot out the door.
1: This man has a fire in his belly. It took Tony Kanaan over a decade to get his Indy win because he got a taste of that. Winning the Indy 500, as we've heard from many drivers, is the fuel behind an entire Indy car career. It drives them on the road and street courses, the short ovals, the super speedways. Alexander Rossi wants to win and he, we saw that in 2019. He wants to win in a way that he didn't win in 2016. I don't think anyone doubts his talent, but I think we need to see a change, whether that's within Andretti or it's him transferring. But I've felt that for a while. Um, I don't know anybody personally that's that's on that team. I don't have any inside information. But I know bringing in Grosjean is a big move. Um, and it, it, it's just so this team you've got, you've got Colton Herta, who's got a lot of talent, and he's very vocal about his interest in Formula One. You've mm-hmm. got Roman Grosjean, a Formula One veteran, coming in and finding his happiness, finding his home, as it seems, in IndyCar, putting up podium results, being a fan favorite, And going from Dale Coyne to Andretti Autosport and a very famous championship winning numbered car uh, championship winning sponsorship right away. Rossi nabbed the Napa sponsorship from the 100th running win. Um, That's what sealed the deal. He's been with them for a while. Now we see AutoNation seeping in. AutoNation has a lot of connections. Like you said, Meyer Schenck, um, Team McLaren, nothing they do would surprise me. Uh, I can't wait to talk about them. Do they grab Rossi? Do they put the veteran with one of the young guns? Do they do three full-time cars? We, we've seen him run three cars a couple times at Indianapolis on the road course and at the 500. I think <sighs> Rossi, for whatever reason, reminds me of Tom Brady at the Buccaneers this year. <laughs> Not that he's going to retire, but... I feel like depending on how this season goes, he'll determine where he wants to go next or stay.
0: Yeah, and and, and I agree. I I think with Rossi, there is a level of frustration that he has probably with the team and also with it himself. I mean, there's been races that, yeah, the pick crew, as we know, has screwed up. Um, I think he's a guy that that that, that it needs to get off to a good start, and I know that you could say that about everybody, but you need to. There is a thing to be said about momentum at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and and that starts with Texas, a place that he's been okay at. He hasn't been the greatest at the Indy GP, and if he could just have that momentum going into Indy and that confidence underneath him, I mean, we know that he can get it done in Indy. He's had some spectacular runs there. Uh, as far as Roman Grosjean goes, I, I think he's a guy that. Indy as a whole is so much better off when he's doing well. You know, if, if he were to get off and struggle, I, I think it takes away from a lot that what the series can offer. Uh, but on top of that, I think Hurd is going to be a championship contender. I really do. I think the kid's got incredible talent. We know he was on the front row. He needs to be better at Indy. He needs to be better on ovals, period. And I think he'll tell you that, too. He mentioned that last week um, in the media day that they had last Monday that he just needs to be better on ovals, and that starts at Indy. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on Devlin Francesco. I think I, I see a little bit more talent in him than a lot do. Uh, but, yeah, there was that, like, patter pitter-patter going back and forth on Twitter from all these people saying, like, well, why did Kyle Kirkwood not get that ride? And then you got to realize, well, well, George and Michael decided that this is the direction that they were going to go, and they decided that last year. So, it, like, it is what it is. Uh, and then we haven't mentioned this. Quickly, uh, Marco at the 500, I I don't have any expectations. I mean, if, if he finishes fifth, great. If he finishes 15th, great. Uh, he just, to me, maybe this is being harsh. He just doesn't ring, ring ring the bell anymore. Yeah, he's got the name, and it would be great for this series if he were to win. Um, but I just, I don't see it anymore. I mean, even, even when he qualified on the pole in 2020, I think he led uh, 14 feet uh, of the race. So uh, I don't really have anything. I Also say about Marco, except for uh, it's a popular name, but the results just aren't there.
1: I say, you know, I'm not gonna deny any of that. It's all factual, Tony. but I will say, get that man the resources. I, I have the same sentiments, but then you go back and you watch races from five to ten years ago, especially on ovals, especially at the five hundred, and he's right there. Marco knows the 500. I think that would be a very popular win. I think any sponsor would be very happy to be running in the top three with that name attached to him. Uh, I won't say that he's lost it, and maybe, maybe this is. I- I'm speaking from the heart more than the more than the head. I would love to see a Marco Andretti contention for the win. I think the fans deserve to see it. I think that team deserves to see their son race for the win. Um, he's led laps. He's been at the front. He has been in serious contention, not just that rookie run in 06 against Hornish. He has been in serious contention in this current tub, in this current car. I think it could happen. Um, it's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure it to is. have that name.
0: And, and and we'll have to agree, I guess, to disagree on this because, um, you know,
1: like I said, it's, I'm speaking I, on what I want.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I personally, I don't see it. Uh, it would be great for the sport, but, but, but what I've seen lately out of him and it's so hard to do, I mean, even Elio last year, even though he's not a full-time participant was running races and, um, what I would love to see, and we'll get into this another day, would, 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 would be an SRX race with Marco, Mario, and Michael, which I think is a little bit more possible than maybe what people yes. think coming up this summer, but but we'll get to that at another time. Let's move on to the team, But I know that you're excited to talk about um, McLaren, and you had, on one end of the spectrum last year, a hell of a season for Pato Award, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you had the absolute crapshoot of a season that Felix Rosenquist had in his first year there, bringing in Montoya again for the 500, who didn't have a good qualifying run, but ended up in the top 10 at the 500. Uh, What sparks your interest in McLaren? Is it Pato Award challenging again for a championship, or is it seeing if Felix Rosenquist can kind of close that gap between the two teams?
1: My excitement surrounding Team McLaren is, can they keep the momentum? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's easy to have that chip on your shoulder when you have something to prove. Well, Potter Award is somehow, even though Palau won the championship, is somehow the golden boy of IndyCar. Everyone loves that team. Mm-hmm. They have an energy about them. They've got a presence about them. I love how they're integrating the relationships between Formula One and IndyCar. And they're saying, listen, we're one. We operate separately, but we are one atmosphere. We huge, are one huge. attitude. Huge. Attitude is everything. You look at these teams in the NBA and the NFL. You look at the LA Rams right now. You look at the San Francisco, these these California teams that that they've taken themselves seriously. They present themselves in a fun way, but they've taken themselves seriously. Is McLaren going to take themselves seriously and understand the talent that they have with Pato? and that it's not just going to keep rolling that momentum only Mm -hmm. keeps going if you keep chugging and keep churning your legs and pushing that hard um rosenquist uh, i would love to see that other car get up there mclaren is one of those teams i believe they have the talent to have a spread of a podium of a one-two team week in and week out we saw jpm get a top 10 he got ninth place and I, I where did he qualify he qualified way back and they worked like their way 20, up to the top nine 24th, i know yeah 24th i know anton Somewhere is uh anton is one of the engineers on their team and, and he was excited to be working with jpm um he's coming back for the 500 again that's a wealth of knowledge for that race alone i i do want to see more out of rosenquist um he did have a big setback last year, though. He had a he had an injury. He had a pretty nasty. So I don't know if that affected the. You know, were they on a bell curve? Were they on a trajectory to get up to that stratosphere that Pato seemed to be riding on? I don't know. We'll never know. Um, but yeah, that for me, I haven't thought a whole lot about Rosenquist because all the attention's been on Pato, and he has the talent. The team has the talent. Are they going to start playing pre defense? Or are they going to be on attack mode and still feel like they have to prove something? My gut feeling tells me that Zach Brown and the entire atmosphere that he's created and where they are in Formula 1 right now is that he's still trying to prove that they can win a championship in IndyCar and in Formula 1. They're the closest in IndyCar right now.
0: Yeah, and I think that, and I've been told this over the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's been so much changes going on behind closed doors at McLaren from from shock specialist to the engineering to to crews to get Felix, you know, because he runs the car totally different than what Pato Award does. So so what works for Pato, who is usually on edge as we know and likes that loose race car. I mean, you've seen the onboard cameras of of, of his hands moving so much. And, and and that's difficult to learn. I mean, Taylor Kyle is is great at what he does. He has hell of experience, but you know it's a learning curve, and sometimes it takes a year to. You've got one driver who likes his aggressive setup, but you got another driver who likes it very conservative and wants it to quote unquote keep it between the lines. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing what this team can do. Let's move on to some of these other teams that are right on the verge of being championship contenders. They've proven that they can win races, but it's 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 been tough to, I guess, contend for a championship. We'll start with Myers Shank, Simon Pagino, Elio Castro the defending 500 winning team, as we know. Uh, Simon and Elio back as teammates. They are very close friends. I mean, we saw it over the weekend uh, on on some of their Instagram and Twitter stories uh, down at Daytona. I'm excited. Uh, As much as I feel that Elio, is, I think it's as tough as it was to win number four, it's going to be even tougher to win number five. Part of that is because we've just never seen it before. Um, I don't know if Elio can contend. I mean, he had a great run at Long Beach going, but some of the other races that he ran, he was kind of, you know, anywhere between 15th and 20th. We saw that in Nashville. I think Simon Pagino is a guy that is going to get his groove back, so to speak, this year. Uh, As I've already mentioned, he's my pick right now to win the Indianapolis 500. I think he has the talent. He has the drive. Do I think that this is a team that can compete for a championship, I'm not sure just because you've got a lot of guys that haven't done it for a full season, bringing on that second car. And there is going to be learning pain. Um, Do I think Pagano wins a race this year? As I mentioned, yeah, he's going to probably, I I think he's going to win the 500, maybe somewhere else. Um, I don't know if this team is championship caliber week in and week out because there has been some growing pains, but this is an exciting team to watch this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've seen them perform well um, when they had Jack Harvey in the seat at the Indy GP races. We've seen him perform excellently at the Indy 500. Um, Like you said, Pagano had the race of his life outside of the 2019, but his charge up into third position at the Indy 500 last year, ultimately just impressive. Um, Again, I think Pagano. right now, we look at his testing times in Sebring. um, He edged out Elio. I think pagano has got a lot to prove, just like he did in 2019. elio is really interesting to me i've spent a little bit of time around him now um just to get a sense of the the person through some events after he won his fourth race and it seemed like that really ignited him and he's never lost that fervor for being behind the wheel and racing he outwilyed polo at the end of that race He's got the wisdom. He understands how a race develops, how a car develops, his timing and everything. He hasn't lost a step, obviously. And if you look at the pressure on him, there isn't any. Could Elio benefit from somebody else threatening to win a fourth 500? Right now, the closest competition he has is Sato. You don't have anybody else close to you. If you win five, you are the Indy 500 GOAT of your entire generation, no question. There's, there's nobody coming up underneath you. There's no Scottie Pippen to the Jordan. There's, there's no Kawhi Leonard. There's no, you know, he's it. He, he proved it last year when everyone, I counted him out last year. He proved it. Does he need that pressure? Does he need a three-time winner breathing down his neck? I don't know, but I know one thing. You can never count Elio out at Indy.
0: Yeah. and, and if I mean, can his make average finish progress, there. Yeah. It, it, and I think it goes back to what we talked about the Alexander Rossi. There is something to be said about momentum. And Elio being full-time, which he hasn't been. Um, if he can get off to a good start, I'm not saying you got to go in and win St. Pete or win at Texas, but if you can have some consistent runs where you're, you go into Indy with some momentum, you're, your top eight or so in points, uh, I think that could go a long way to Elio, and and I think Simon will make him better. And this is nothing against Jack Harvey, who we're going to talk about with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing, but I think just having Simon in that competition level, and having a guy that he knows has won the 500 and has been there lately, as we know last year, as we talked about, had one of the the, the better drives in the 500. I think that's going to push him forward. We'll see if there's some growing pains with Simon Pagino and that team. Going full time, or and and really honestly, both teams going full time after you know it's kind of been you know six races here, eight races, ten, and now uh, a full time with with Simon and Elio. Let's move on to Ray Hall at the Milanigan races. You got two new uh, racing. We got two new faces coming: uh, Christian Longard, who had a pretty solid effort at the second race at the Grand Prix at the Speedway last year. You've got Graham Ray Hall, who again was in contention for the five hundred. Uh, who I think had some of the crappiest luck of all time in 2021. And you have Jack Harvey coming over in what is the 30 car, so to speak, team wise, but is branded as the 45 uh, with the high V sponsorship. I think Jack Harvey gets his first career win this year. I think Graham Ray Hall is a championship contender this year. Um, I, I have also huge expectations for Graham Ray Hall. Uh, and I think Christian Lungard is a good driver. I think he's going to win a race. No, but if, if we sat here a year from now and you said, yeah, Longard had a podium at Portland and and he ran well at, at some of the street courses and, and some of those road courses that have a European feel like the Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course, um, I would certainly believe it. But I think Harvey wins his first career race and I think Graham's going to be there winning races and being in a championship battle.
1: First of all, Hyvee is a great partner. Um, a message to Hyvee we want to see Chester Cheetah and we want to see that Mountain Dew car. I'm just saying, yes. if we have to wait till 2023, that's fine. But man, you guys, you guys nailed it with those. Um, Jack Harvey. Yeah, I agree. It's time and I don't think the win is necessarily going to come in a surprising place. I think he's always got a good shot. He's got that number on the Indy GP circuit. Um, I think he could step up and you could see him get a street course win. Could it be St. Pete? Could it be Long Beach? I think somewhere like that. You know, the Ray Hall cars are somewhat surprising when it comes to that. But you're right; they have had a string of bad luck. You look at Ray Hall in the 500, losing a wheel, um, and then coming down on the the bad luck bounced up into the air and landed on somebody else too. Um, Ray Hall is extremely fast and talented on ovals. I don't think you can ever count him out. Um, Christian Lundgaard, yeah. I think you're looking at an expectation level there. I think Ray Hall wouldn't have brought him on in the middle of last year and put that extra effort into that car if they didn't think that there was serious potential there. That sort of reminds me of how Schmidt Peterson brought Simon Pagano in, and everyone was like, Can the sports car guy run the Indy 500? And they just throw him in the white Lucas Oil car and send him out there, and they're like, Figure it out. You know, let us know what it feels like, and we'll work around that. Um, Ray Hall has just been so close at at a uh, Graham. That is, you know, Graham Ray Hall has been so close at the 500. He's so close. He had one of the cars to be last year. It, um, I, I just think right now there's so much excitement with Harvey that they're just going to be feeding off mm-hmm. each other. Uh, this is one of the closest fields that, that we've seen, but. Here's the tricky thing. Somebody has to be a bust. Yeah, There's so much potential. Someone has to be a bust. And that's when you start looking back at some of the, the names that we were kind of praising last year. Only so many people can be on that podium. There's only three spots. Who do you think is going to disappoint is more the question, I guess, in this next year.
0: Well, I mean, honestly, what comes to mind is, is Pato Award. And and I hate to say that, but I think he outlived expectations big time last year, had one hell of a run, uh, was winning races. But there is that, like we talked about with Felix Rosenquist, like there is the same, you would think, car and setup and, and, and engineers. And it was kind of a crappy season. So I think that. And I know it's not uh, this is unpopular. And it's not. I mean, I think award is a great talent, but I think that as we know, more and more Formula One conversation keeps happening. He's got that connection, and you mentioned the pressure that kind of Marco has from that last name. Once you start hearing these rumors about Formula One and is he leaving, that becomes even though they might never admit it, that becomes a distraction. To wrap up, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing again. I have huge expectations for Graham. Um, we'll see with Jack. He could just as easily be a bus, as you mentioned, um, this year than he could be somebody who is in contention week in and week out. But I think, uh, you know, Ray Hollander and Lanigan has, has built in their new spot up on the north side of Indy. They're, they're, they're reinvested, uh, they're ready to go. And Graham told me a few years ago when they brought, you know, Oriole Servia back in for the 500, and, and there was there was a lot of speculation like why, you know, Oriole is on the back end of his career, he wrecked. You know, he wrecked out a few years ago with that carpenter, and Graham said he 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 brings more to the table, and he's a guy that we trust in the engineering room. And and, and I think obviously that's that that speaks of the talent that they feel Christian Lungard has inside of an IndyCar. All right, we got a couple more teams to run through here on the inaugural episode of the IndyCar Show on burnoutsports.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tony Donahue, Luke Edwards. Ed Carpenter Racing. It just was finalized, 11th hour. Bit Nile comes on. Connor Daly, full time in the 20. You've got Renus VK, who won his first career race last year at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, it's going to be weird for me and everybody else to see Ed Carpenter in uh, a car that's not number 20, uh, I, I think. But Connor, let's start with him. Um, you know, he's always kind of been racing in IndyCar with one eye looking the other way because it's been with Carlin, it's been with Floyd, it's been with Coin, and he never knew, you know, okay, where am I going to be next year or what's going to happen or I got to flip-flop and forth back between teams. Now that he's set for two years in the same car weekend and week out, do you think Connor is a guy that is going to contend for wins uh, and be able to kind of turn around bad luck? We talked about Graham Rahal having really bad luck last year. Well, so did Connor Daly. What are your expectations for the Noblesville Native coming up and a full-time ride with Ed Carpenter Racing in 2022?
1: This is the opportunity that every kid dreams of. This is your movie star moment. You've made it to the big leagues. You've got a multi-year sponsorship deal. You've got the potential to have a multi-year deal full-time with one of the fastest cars at the Indy 500 that we've seen. Last year, I'll tell you what. What what better boost can you have on a personal level than leading the Indy 500 not only during one pit cycle, but two pit cycles? Dominant, comfortable fashion. He has a speed. A tire fell out of the sky and hit the nose of his car. Now, I don't know how much that affected the end result. It definitely didn't help it. He obviously struggled after that. Um, but But this is it. This is it. You were talking about how um, bringing Oriol Servia back in and he helped in, in, in the engineering room. These young guys like Connor, and, and Connor's probably mid range now, but he's still got that youthful passion. And I would say young in his IndyCar career because he hasn't had a multi year full time deal yet where you can be comfortable and take one eye off the rear view mirror or off the side here and focus it fully forward. It's it's the time to step up. You You are the guy now. Renus is still new. Renus has speed, obviously. You are the guy. You have Ed Carpenter with his wealth of knowledge, but you're full-time. You're running ovals, you're running street courses, you're running a full schedule. You've got a multi-year sponsor. What do you bring to the engineering table? And I you know, I feel dumb saying this. I'm just a talking head, but I think it's going to be dependent on how he works with his engineers because the talent level is there across the board on the team. Connor proved that he's fast. Connor has outdriven subpar cars on uh, street courses and road courses, and he led the Indy 500 in dominant fashion last year. This is your year, man. This is it. Prove it. Take it. Win a race.
0: Yeah, and I agree. You, you've got – and he's a fan favorite, look. I mean, he's, he's great for the sport. He's a great ambassador, you know, whether it's the connections that he has. Obviously, being on an amazing race a few years ago, um I hope that Ed Carpenter not being full time or not being on all of the ovals hope it doesn't take away from his performance at the Indianapolis 500 uh you know he was 5th last year and people forget that he was in con- I mean he wasn't really in contention that first stint was perfect he was 4th and then they had the bad pit stop and and kind of spent the last you know 450 miles kind of making up for that to come back and finish 5th I think Connor has to prove it. This is, I mean, this is your chance. If you want to stay, if you want to stay in IndyCar for the next three to five years, this year alone is the year to do. I know it's it's a two-year deal, Um, but I don't want to see him going out and running trucks or going out. Um, I, I I've always said this about Connor. Love the guy to death. And I'm not saying he doesn't take it fully seriously, but there has been speculation and people saying that, well, it almost seems like some days he'd rather be in the snake pit. So if you can just kind of focus that in and just really concentrate week in and week out, I think he'll have the results. Uh, Renus is a guy who has one of the best engineers uh, in the paddock, and Matt Barnes, I think he is going – I think if Renus stays healthy and he had a setback, kind of like Rosenquist did last year, I think if Renus stays healthy – uh, and, and, and can bottle up what he did at the very beginning of last season all the way up through uh, Detroit and, and and be consistently like that throughout the year, uh, he, he'll be around a top five guy in the championship. I, I firmly believe that Renas has that um, talent and has that capability to be able to do that. And with that, it's simple. I mean, it's, it, 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 with Ed Carpenter, it's the same thing every year. Just win the 500. Uh, he'll tell you. Uh, just as much <laughs> as anybody else will. He wants to be known as somebody who has ran well at the 500 and won the race, not somebody who's just qualified on the pole a few times. Um, you know, so it, Ed, just do what you – if I had to nitpick something on Ed, um, don't stall in the pits and be better on restarts. That's really been the only thing that's kind of kept him back. I think a couple of the restarts he had a chance to pounce on will power back in 2018 and didn't and then never really got the opportunity again – to do so. I think he said that post race in 2018 he wished uh on one of the restarts late that he would have been a little bit more aggressive. So, um let's go to Dale mm-hmm. Coyne. Uh you've got Malukas in the 18, you've got Takuma Sato in the 51. As you mentioned, there somebody's got to like not have a good season, right? And I think Sato will but I'm not sure if Malukas in that 18 car is 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 really ready for the big leagues. Everybody, you know, he had good runs in Indy Lights, but is this guy ready uh, because it just seems like that 18 car has been a car that really hasn't been in contention for wins. And maybe that was Ed Jones, uh, even Bourdais, I didn't think w- was, was in contention. I mean, obviously he did well at St. Pete, but 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 almost every other weekend, it was like Bourdais was 10th to 15th. So uh, your expectations for Dale Coyne Racing with um, HPD and, you know, Ware and everybody else who's involved in that program?
1: Well, again, just like I've said before, um, with the other two newcomers, Malukas, your competition is Kirkwood and DeFrancesco, and Mm -hmm. the 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 way that this series works, you need to treat them like your teammates. And Formula One, you got to outperform your teammate. Well, with these two kids, you got to outperform these two kids, and and and, you know you can't count out um, Clarendon from that, or or called Calderon from that either. I don't know if he's a sleeper. The, the Indy lights toss up and you get into IndyCar and you have so many more factors. It, it's it's engineers. Your engineering staff is so much more robust. I mean, you, you start talking to some of these old IndyCar chief mechanics, current, uh, retired, what have you. You go down the line in the series of what it takes to set a car up. And it gets simpler and simpler to the point in Formula Ford. I had uh, Poppy, you know, David Papalares, tell me the other day, he's like, what's there to set up about that car? You set up and you run every track like that unless it's an oval and you don't do those. So uh, these guys, again, like you said, who's going to be good in the engineering room? We've seen veterans come in and kind of almost act like an offensive coordinator in the engineering room where they might not necessarily even get a podium but their expertise in how the car is handling they're that line of communication they bridge that gap they they embolden the connection between driver and engineering staff and then you see their teammate go on and win who is going to be that guy dale coin lost a great asset to uh to foy a couple years ago and now he's got a two-time Indy 500 champion. Uh, I do want to say one correction. In the 500 this year, we have two two-time Indy 500 winners with with JPM. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's Sato's turn to step it up in the engineering room, and I think Sato's role is going to dictate the entire flow of Dale Coyne's season.
0: Let's move on to AJ Foy Racing. You mentioned uh, Kyle Kirkwood, a guy that, um, you know, that there's going to be an intense rookie battle, and there are guys like Kyle Kirkwood and Devlin DeFrancesco, as you mentioned, Malukas, that are going to be um, kind of battling each other. Uh, Tatiana Calderon comes over for the road and street courses. They have yet to determine who is going to be their oval driver, whether that is Charlie Kimball, which I have heard it's not going to be. Uh, more than likely, maybe a Steph Wilson, uh, maybe a J.R. Hildebrand, who has some funding behind him, you know, we've kind of heard this resurrection of A.J. Foyt racing and, and and Larry Foyt kind of taking over and things pointing in the right direction, but we simply haven't seen it. This team hasn't ran well. I, 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 off the top of my head, the best race that they've had is Kanan's 517 that he ended up putting it into the fence. They haven't won a race since 2013 with the Kumisato at Long Beach, I believe. Um, is this a team that Is going to take those steps forward that we keep hearing that they're going to do? Or is this going to be a a backmarking team that they've kind of been the last couple of years? You think about Dalton Kellett. All right, like it's go or go home now, dude. Like you've got the experience. Can you get it done? Is Kyle Kirkwood, who a lot of people say is the best talent coming out of Indy Lights, is he going to waste a year as a backmarker? Is he somebody that has the talent to move this team forward? Um, what will they do at Indy? As we know, Charlie Kimball missed the field last year in a Foyt car. Um, do you have high expectations for this team? To me, it's like a hey, prove me wrong, but going into this season, even though Kyle Kirkwood has talent, I don't see this team being anywhere towards the front, to be honest with you.
1: And I know it sounds hard, but that's kind of where we're
0: at. Yeah.
1: <laughs> No, I I see what you're saying. And and when you talk about their oval lineup, I think therein lies uh, a hang-up. Therein lies a problem. You don't know who your oval driver driver is. Well, what do championship teams have? They have a driver that does everything. You know, Penske has the resources to get McLaughlin up to speed on ovals. Uh, Ganassi, Andretti, they have resources to get people up to speed. Dale Coyne. I mean, did we see what he did with Grosjean at Gateway. The man was bumping into people in an open wheel Indy car and passing them. <laughs> so, yeah. This is this is the chance for Kyle Kirkwood to step up. They don't have that person. They don't have somebody full-time. You're not going to get a replacement for a full-time Wiley Coyote veteran that can explain the difference between all the different tracks and that is something that is marquee in IndyCar. Their best selling point. Is you have to know how to run everything except for dirt and gravel and, mm-hmm. and 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 snow you know this is kirkwood's opportunity to step up and do what padawa ward did mclaren let's not forget mclaren was not who they were two years ago where were they you know that we saw we saw missing hinch, the 500 um yeah we saw hinch miss the 500 He came back and he won Iowa that year. But we've we've seen the struggles of SPM. McLaren stepping in gave the new identity. Is Larry Foyt going to give Foyt Racing a new identity? I think you need that atmosphere. I think you need that spunk. You need that chip on the shoulder. And you need a driver who is brave and capable enough. I think a lot of people in the paddock believe that Kirkwood can be that guy, can be that complete package.
0: And I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach on that. All right, the inaugural episode of the IndyCar Show here on BurnoutSports.com. Tony Donahue and Luke Edwards. There's so much on the table that we haven't got to, which is a good thing. And we can come back and talk about those things in Episode 2 coming up here uh, probably sometime next week. But before uh, we sign off here, let's discuss some bold predictions for the season. Let's get them out there now. I mentioned Pagano will win the 500. I think we'll see two new winners in Grosjean and Jack Harvey. Um, I'll have some bold predictions here on the website, burnoutsports.com, so make sure you check it out. But, but Luke, give me some of your bold predictions, whether good or bad, for some of these drivers and teams coming up in 2022.
1: I think Jimmy Johnson is going to surprise some people on the ovals. I really think he's going to surprise some people at Indy. We saw Kurt Busch maintain his top 10 qualifying spot and get a top 10 in the 500 where did he come from we've got jimmy johnson who is fully dedicated said his bullshit meter is broken uh or his sorry i'm sorry his give a uh meter is broken he's doing this for him he's in a good spot
0: mm-hmm.
1: honestly look out for him at, at the 500 i think he's got a top 10 car and i think he's got top 10 desire and talent Um V.K. I think V.K. has got a lot left to prove. I think that is somebody that you've got to watch out for. He got his first win last year. The kid's young. The kid has two names to go out and outshine. Who did he get overshadowed by? His classmates, Pato Award, and Alex Pillow. Alex Pillow won the championship. Pato Award won a couple of races. Detroit, Texas, put on a show. Uh, was up there at Indy. But Renus VK, let's not forget was up there at Indy. He's, he's primed. He's ready to go. I think that ECR team with him and Connor feeling comfortable and strong in a seat together. Connor knows how to run the ovals. Connor's got lots of underdog experience and cars setting them up and outrunning him them at the pace that they should be expected to run. I think those two are going to make a good combination.
0: And we'll do this on the show every week. Uh, we'll, we'll call it something great that we saw this week, or we'll do a better name for that. But but Robert Wickens in the 24 hours of Daytona, he ran on on Friday in a Michelin race. But just to see him back behind the wheel, get a podium and the smile that couldn't be taken off of his face. I know that you agree. That was uh, certainly something to see uh, Wickens as a guy that everybody loved and came onto the scene as a rookie. You, you I don't even want to think about how great he would be in a McLaren car right now and what he would be doing and, and what we'd be talking about with him. So um, I know that you agree that Robert Wickens is somebody uh, over the weekend that we we both enjoyed seeing. So uh, that was a lot of fun. All right, Luke, let us know where everybody can check you out on Twitter and, and the next week on the episode. We'll get into a little bit more of that IndyCar survey that's been going around. I think it's about to wrap up. Uh, and, and and we'll talk about that next week as well. But 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 tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff.
1: So my Instagram I use the most, it's just at Luke Edwards Indy. And on Twitter, I am the IMS Museum. So uh, any notes you want to send in, connect with us. We're doing a lot more fan interactive stuff at IMS Museum on all platforms, even TikTok. We made it to TikTok with the museum, bringing history to life there. Um, but, yeah, speaking of Wiccans and, and all the great stuff happening in sports cars, I'm about to turn on the 24 hours here and uh, and try to keep up with that overnight.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. Uh, keep tight to BurnoutSports.com, our launch week in the inaugural IndyCar show. will have this coming to you weekly throughout the season for Luke Edwards, Jared Sparkman. I'm Tony Donahue. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you back here next week. BurnoutSports.com.